one of the things that I've observed over the last six weeks uh, is just um, the amazing seeds that have been planted in this church over the last two years and how they're growing. Um, but one thing that, that has become really clear to me is to use today and the next Sunday and the Sunday after that to remind all of us together of what we are doing, of where it all flows from, of what drives us, of what our purpose is. Because we're kind of, you guys are two years into it now, and we meet on Sundays, and we come and we worship, and there's teaching, there's groups, and life is continuing on. But sometimes in the pieces of the week to week, we can lose sight of where it flows from, what the source is, the why. And so I want to take this week, next week, and the week after to remind you of the why. And I hope it's not just a cognitive mental thing, but I really am hoping that for us it's kind of refreshing and revitalizing as people. And so I want to pray again where Peter prayed already. And that was just to confirm. Actually, I just want to make a confirmation that uh, our hope, right, is not in the things we've prepared and what we're doing, and that we've learned songs well and that I've prepared well. Those things are important, and we're faithful to them. But to have the experience that we're after only comes from God, and it only comes as the Holy Spirit works inside of you and works inside of me. And so I just ask right now for the Holy Spirit to give me words that are right for you this morning, that fit, and for you to have ears to hear, uh, to really hear not from me particularly, but from your Father through the Holy Spirit so that you can receive and be refreshed. This day's never happened before, and physically it feels like just another day, but spiritually it's not. So the things that happened today you've never experienced. So let's, let's receive something fresh and new today in the midst of words that we know, and thoughts that we know. So, the passage that I want to share with you from today is John 17, and it's all going to be on the screen. You're welcome to go there, but we're going to look at it together as well. The Word is living and active, and I feel like this passage is like a lion. It's definitely living and active, and it's kind of overwhelming, and it's kind of profound, and I feel like walking around it is like trying to be comfortable walking around a lion. You just you kind of hope it stays seated, and even though it's kind of purring a little bit, uh, that it's not going to attack you. <laughs> and I say that because the passage is really profound, and it's a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father, but he purposefully prayed it for ears to hear it. And somehow John, through the Holy Spirit, was able to remember the prayer word for word, and he wrote it down. But I believe it's one of the most potent passages in the scriptures. So it's easy to let the words sing, sing song go by, and, and we need to not do that this morning. I need you to listen well to all of them. So let's kind of approach this lion and just see what it has to say. I'm going to go through the whole passage with you. We're going to read the whole thing. Then we're going to go back through it again, kind of paragraph by paragraph, and talk about it a little bit. But the main thing, my hope for you, is that the scriptures themselves really speak to your spirit right now. So here we go. Jesus has said all that he's going to say to the disciples. He is hours away from crucifixion. And he's taught them all about himself, about the Spirit of God, about the Word of God. He's shown them how to do the kingdom work, healing, driving out demons, and teaching the gospel. This is his last moment of peace with his disciples. When this moment is over, they head to the garden, and he's betrayed, and that whole tremendous roller coaster begins. So this is their last moment of peace. He's just spoken to them about a lot of things, and he prays this prayer in their hearing. 
And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, So I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you loved me. Wow, so many profound statements. So many single sentences that are saying huge things, right? And there may just be one or two that you caught that really mean something to you. But you see Jesus is fixing himself on a transition. He's very clearly stepping away 
from his work in the world, and he's stepping toward the Father. And I believe that for the, the next 24 hours, he internally is making this transition. Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And I believe that here he's expressed the joy he's talking about. He's heading toward the cross, and he knows that. In a little bit, he's going to pray this incredible prayer, Father, take this away from me. And I think, unfortunately, we've often thought that what Jesus was asking for was not to experience the flogging and the cross that he experienced. And, and that in and of itself, humanly, you would understand why you would ask for that. But isn't it more true that Jesus was asking to not go through the separation from the Father that he was about to experience? <clears throat> in eternity, before creation, Jesus had never known a moment where he wasn't fully with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. Never separation, never distance of any kind. Always present with the Father and always one with the Father. He had never known anything else. And he knew that he was headed to, I'm not sure how this works, but three days apart from the Father. Separated, literally, truly, spiritually from the Father. That's why his last words on the cross were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not why have I gone through this pain I'm going through? Why have I been humiliated in front of humans? That had happened before. That would happen by other people. But the Godhead had never before been separated. And it was about to be separated. And so that's why Jesus was asking, Father, is there another way to do this? I have never not known being one with you constantly. But you are going to turn your back on me. And I'm going to feel what humankind has felt throughout all of their lives, separation from you. And I can't imagine that. Father said another way. But not my will, your will. And the Father said, essentially, no, son, there's no other way. And so Jesus is getting ready here. And what he's doing is saying, Father, I know difficult things are coming, but I know past them I'm going to be with you where you are. So he's already thinking about that. I can imagine even during the trial when Pontius Pilate is talking, he's barely listening. He's just thinking, Father, I'm going to be with you soon. Father, I'm going to be with you soon. And so he didn't need to say anything until the Holy Spirit prompted him. So let's go back through this prayer now and look at just a few specific things uh, that can really ground us. Uh, oh, I didn't even read the last part, but we'll catch that on our second round through. So let's look at some specifics in each of these paragraphs. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had from before the world existed. So you see that picture there. Jesus has done the work of glorifying the Father. He came, grew to be 30 years of, old, years of age, and then spent three years glorifying the Father, showing humans the Father is incredible. There was a history in the Jewish nation of what God was like, but through leadership and through punishment and through broken covenants, the picture of God was very unclear. It was unclear that he was a God of love and goodness constantly and all the time. And so Jesus is sent at this point in human history to clarify that through all of that covenant breaking and that punishment and that fear 
and that horrific experience and that up and down that the nation of Israel had been experiencing. What is God really like? And Jesus came and said, here's what my father is really like. He asks questions like, what can I do for you? And then when you give him the answer, he does what you ask him to do. It seems obvious when he comes to a blind man and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? It's almost like, Jesus, why the question? It seems obvious. But Jesus wanted it to be so clear. I've come to do what you want me to do for you. I've come to give you what's broken, give you what's missing. Every one of us imagines what it's like to be healthy and whole and to live a life that is full of goodness, no matter what your experience is. In the area of parents, you know, you know what an amazing father and mother can be. Maybe you had one, maybe you didn't, maybe you had something in between, but you know what it looks like. And we know that is the exact kind of parent that God is. He's that kind of a father. So Jesus glorified the Son. And what Jesus is saying now is, Father, I have set my sights on coming back to you in this heavenly realm, whatever that is. And please clear out all the pictures of heaven that you have right now of singing forever and clouds and harps and whatever that is, because that can't be heaven. I saw a post this week. uh, Someone saw a sign on a church that says, if you don't like going to church now, you won't like going to heaven. And I I thought, what a horrifying thought. (laughs) Obviously, what they were trying to say is, you know, what happens inside here is what's going to happen in heaven. But I took it the other way, like, wow, if my church experience over the last few years is my eternal experience, ah, it's been good, hasn't been amazing or incredible. But heaven is going to be more than anyone could imagine. Even the biggest adrenaline junkie is going to be satisfied with what happens in heaven. So somehow there's more to it than we think. So Jesus is saying, Father, I'm coming to where you are, and I'm looking forward to being in your presence again and being among all creatures who do your will. I'm excited about being in a place where your will is done by everyone here rather than being in this broken place. And so that's what he's saying. Father, I'm coming back, and I'm looking forward to sharing your glory in heaven. This is the passage again, but I want you to see the words at the bottom of the screen. The glory of God on earth is that Jesus has brought eternal life. I want to add perhaps something to what you hear as you read this. When Jesus says to give eternal life, in the most basic sense, the first thing he's saying is, I've come to give you not a life that's temporary. When I came to Jesus, I was nine. I was watching television, and Billy Graham scared me to death (laughs) about eternity and what it was going to be like. And I was grateful to learn that I didn't have to cease to exist as a human. But that's the most basic understanding of eternal life. The second, you know, if we were to go to a larger definition of eternal life, it would be the idea that not only will I not die, my spirit, but I will actually live on forever, which sounds really good and amazing. But the other thing that's not spoken of Uh, in so many of our thoughts is the quality of eternal life. Eternal life isn't just life that goes on forever. Quite honestly, in this life, I don't know how many years any of us would want to live. I think maybe 75, 100 is enough because there's a lot of brokenness. And honestly, I think at the end of life, we get kind of tired and we're ready to be done. So eternal life isn't the quality of life that we know. It's a very different quality. And so when he says, I've come to bring eternal life, it's not just a life that lives forever, but it's a newly defined life. And for Jesus, it was the life he had already had with the Father before creation ever happened. Eternal life is glorious, it's incredible, it's undescribable, it's beyond the earth, but it's a quality of life more than a length of life. 
So the glory of God on earth is that Jesus has brought us this new quality of life. Jesus goes on to say, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you have given them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This is how Jesus can say that his work is complete. Not only did he preach the words, but they were heard and received and believed. And that's, that's part two of what it means to be effective as a person of God, not to just so we're able to say the things, but the things we say are received. And notice, the most important thing that he could say is, they understand that I came from you and you sent me. This sounds really like, why is that important? Let me ask you, why is it important that we understand that Jesus was sent from the Father? Why is that important? Yeah, we know he's not a phony. He's real. We have a real advantage um, being where we are in history. When Jesus showed up, obviously he had never been there before. (laughs) When Jesus showed up, the understanding of God was very different. There was a local understanding of God's curse us when they're mad and bless us when they're happy, so let's keep the gods happy. And that same understanding was, was a part of people's understanding of Yahweh. Let's keep him happy because when he's upset, life goes bad. And when he's happy, life goes good. And Jesus is here to say, no, that is not what gods are like. This is what God, the only God, is truly like. And there was this new revelation that to us is common knowledge, and we know that. But picture what life is like without knowing that reality. So Jesus has come with what seems like a very new message. All of the experts in faith, who were around when Jesus came, did not recognize him. That's how distorted the understanding of God was. They had different expectations, and Jesus didn't meet any of them. So whoever Jesus showed up as was not what people were expecting. All of that to say that the image of God that was expected at the time was a huge misunderstanding, and Jesus came to clarify all of that. And I would say that's true for us individually. I would say that you probably have a lot of misunderstandings about the reality of God. And God is constantly clarifying that for you and helping you understand. And we will go through our entire life reimagining or re-understanding what God is like. That's why we study the scriptures. That's why we're here teaching today. That's why we worship. The truth is that Jesus has come from God. That's his point. He goes on in his prayer and says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you have given me out of the world, for they are yours. All mine are yours, all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Jesus is transferring 
his guardianship of all of his followers back to the Father. He said, everyone, Father, that belonged to you, you gave to me for a period of time, and I've taken care of them, and I've taught them, and I've shown them what you're like, and they have believed you, and now, Father, I'm giving them back to you. God is re-entrusting the Father with everyone who will believe. And this is the piece that I really want you to receive this morning, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. It was a joy for Jesus to live the life that he lived on earth. His life was filled with joy. To come to human beings who were sad and broken and blind and diseased and rejected and marginalized and totally change their worlds and turn them upside down was a joy for him. To represent the Father to people was a joy for him. And now he's saying, Father, I'm going to transfer my work to these people so that their joy may be filled. Let me ask you, do you have a daily sense of the joy of the life that you've inherited from Jesus? That took too long. That sh- if it was true, you would have said something immediately. It's not that way, is it? Yeah. And I would say, I believe one of the reasons that it's not that way is we are not really living in this reality. We just haven't really fully received what's happening. And that's my hope today and again next week and the week after that is that somehow the Holy Spirit will remind you and even take you to the next level of what you have actually received, what eternal life is, what it means to be given the work of Jesus to do. Let's keep going. The heart of Jesus' prayer is that we would be one as he and the Father are one. I want to talk to you a little bit about oneness. Um, We had a great example of the beauty of oneness this week. There is a new human on the planet uh, because of oneness, right? Yeah, the new Wilkins baby. Let me give you a proposition and see if you agree. The most beautiful and powerful things that can be observed on planet Earth are the dynamics that happen between human beings. Agree? Disagree? We can see a human and say, wow, that's an amazing woman. She's beautiful. She's gracious. She's elegant. She's kind. She's giving. And that's a good thing. We can see a a, a man who's living in the fullness of God and say the same thing. But the really beautiful things are the things that happen between them. Love happens between people. Recreation happens between people. All the stories that we love to see in the movies and the dynamics that we love to hear about is about the interchanges between people. That's where beauty lies. Not in individuals alone, but in the dynamics that happen between them. That is extremely true, that's even an idea, between the Father and the Son. The beauty and the power of God is who he is, but even more so is the dynamic of what happens between Father and Son. It's the interchange between Father and Son. And you and I have been invited into that interchange. So Father, Son, and Spirit are moving And they are doing, and the Father speaks, and the Son reveals, and the Holy Spirit makes it happen. And there's this tremendous dynamic between the Trinity. And in this passage, Jesus is saying, Father, because of what I'm doing, I now invite these humans 
into us that we may be one. Like not in some sentimental unity, solidarity sense, but bring them into the dynamics of what happens between us. Between us, Father, we're inviting human beings to come into the interchange between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you may be one as we are one. You agree with that, right? If not, that's huge heresy because <laughs> that's a big theological statement. But my, my, my hope today is that we ask, God, there's got to be more to experience if this is true and if this is true every day. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. You could hear some of this and sense a condemnation, condemnation of the world. There's this strong, the world hates them. They are not of the world. We are apart from the world. But notice where this, this piece of the prayer ends. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God loves the world, right? The people in the world. We were the people in the world. And so there, this is not a pulling apart to be separate and holy, but it's actually a coming into oneness and unity with the Father so that we can go back out into the world and actually take over where Jesus left off. Jesus has us, us to take over where he left off. He came as a single human being in a moment of time in a single geographic area to manifest the Father. And then when he left, he said to the rest of the humans who believe in me and follow me, here you go. It's now for you. You're going to show up in a different geographic place, in a different space and time, among a different people, and you're going to do what I did. You're going to reveal the goodness of God the Father by the life that you have and by what goes on between you. That's our call. That's, our, that's the life that we've been given. Jesus says, I showed you how to do it. Here, now you do it. We have been sent back into the world to continue the work of Jesus. I do not ask for these only. Now sit tight. You need to be shocked by this or blessed by this. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. Jesus prayed for you by reference. By name would have taken too long. So he did it by reference. That we all may be one, just as you, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you loved me. Jesus prayed for us, very specifically. 
He's asking that we, so many generations, so many years later, have the same experience as the 12, that we know Jesus very, very well, that we've learned from him, and that we follow him. There's really only two points, not that Jesus is making points, but there's only two things that he's saying here. Father, the oneness that we have, I thank you for, and I thank you that we can now invite humanity into our oneness. So, Father, protect them and let them receive this oneness and show the world that they too can be one with us. So simple, but so profound. I think if we were fully grasping what I'm saying, we couldn't sit here quite as quietly as we are. (laughs) Honestly, just take it in for just a minute. Father and Son, perfectly one, ultimate peace and joy. Their exchanges are unbelievable. Their laughter is deep and full. Their sighs after a moment are rich and deep. Their admiration for one another couldn't be better. What they give and receive between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is perfect. It's fantastic. Think of the most precious moments you've had with another human being. Just a deep, rich moment. The best moment you've ever had. A moment where you just slowed down and you just kind of went, oh, wow, this moment is awesome. That is Father, Son, and Spirit all the time. They just have one moment after another. And they've invited us into one moment after another for two reasons. One, because it's our purpose to be one with the Father and the Son And secondly, so the world may know that we have come from God. For ourselves, God just wants us to be fulfilled, to be full, to never be anxious, to never be afraid, to never doubt, but always be confidently with him. And if we walk in the depth of that relationship, and if we live that way, then we will be the greatest witness that we could to the world. The world doesn't need to hear about the law and judgment and sin. The world needs to see humans living in the fullness of the fact that they are one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the saints, I think it was Ignatius, said that the glory of God is most seen in a human fully alive. Imagine being able every morning, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, to take whatever moments it took to release yourself from whatever starts to chase you in the morning that is negative and to realize and say, Father, through Jesus, I'm one with you. You are here with me in Sherwood, in Newburgh, in Tualatin, in Tigard this morning. And I receive your presence. And I receive your promises. I receive your promise of peace. I receive the strength to do the things you've called me today. I recognize and I believe I'm one with you right now. And I will go through the next 18 hours of this Monday fully aware that I am one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then imagine that you maintain that belief through 18 hours of whatever you do. Ordinary day, same small things, running into the same small people, but you are there as this container of the glory of God. Peace joy, wisdom, hope, right? And then we go to bed and we do it again the next day. 
what that would mean for you is, at the end of the day, just going, wow. Ah, what a day. So good. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that moment where you gave me just this cool wisdom to say just the right thing to my son today when he had the problem that he had. Thank you, Father, for giving me good words for my husband when he was discouraged. Thank you, God, for making me miss that one appointment so I could make an appointment that you had scheduled that I didn't know about, where I got to love on somebody I didn't expect. Wow, thank you for that. Thank you for the way I got to affirm my boss and what a good person they're trying to be by the words that I was able to say to them today. Thank you, God, for the blind man who I healed today. (laughs) Okay, that's over the top. But according to the scriptures, it shouldn't be, right? Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen. This is what Jesus opened the door for us to do. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Now Jesus is looking to the future. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is envisioning his return and our advent, our coming into glory. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus went forward even though he didn't want to, and he experienced what he had never experienced before, to be separated from the Father and the Spirit. Can't imagine it. One of the sad realities is that feeling is actually really common for us. We are born away from God. And until we, our eyes are opened and we can understand how good God is, that Jesus has made a sacrifice for us to enter into that oneness, we've never known it. But now you and I have known it. Do you remember the day, or maybe it was a season, when you first kind of got a hold of this reality that I am one with God? And that he says, you belong to me, I'm your dad. Jesus seems to be saying here that what for us may have been one of the most joyous, deep, and amazing moments of our life can be only the beginning and only a small, tiny snack compared to the meals that he wants to serve us every day. That we would have this awareness every day. I am one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I am a container of the glory of God. And through my humbleness and my smallness, God wants to live. Jesus went to the cross because of the joy set before him. The joy, number one, of being united with his Father again. And joy, number two, of having us be invited in. So that it is now Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and X million human beings. (laughs) And we're in that number, whatever it is. It's appropriate that we um, come to the table at this point. And as you come today, I hope that you can come with a deeper and fresher understanding of what happened when this body was, was broken and when this blood was shed, that Jesus was letting you know he came from the Father. He was inviting you to come into the dynamics of what happens between them and participate in those dynamics. 
and he is inviting you into a life that eventually will be set free from this brokenness. I love to imagine, Jesus said, I won't drink any more wine until we have a reunion. And those were literal words. And that reunion is coming. There's going to be a day when somehow, I can't imagine it, but we, we come into the presence of Jesus like never before. We are around this table and we have this bridal meal and Jesus lifts a cup. And I, can you imagine this moment of Jesus, Jesus living a, lifting the cup? That place is going to explode. And you're going to explode. And you're going to go, yes! <laughs> yes! And Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant. Oh, what a moment that's going to be. I can just start crying over that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would ask Holy Spirit that we'd have a little bit of a moment right, right now when you come and get the bread and you dip it in the juice, that you would remember that Jesus will drink it again with us when he comes in his kingdom. Let's worship.